looking at heaven. And uh, actually, this is part three, just because just it's easy to, and the typing to say part three instead of what we're going to be talking about. Uh, I want to start here in Colossians 3, kind of where we started last week, and then move over. And uh, again, you have the reference list there, hopefully, and, and so forth. Uh, Colossians 3, verse 1, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning. We thank you for the fellowship that we can have one with another in you. And we thank you for the folks that are here. In your name we pray. Amen. As we begin to look at this issue about heaven, we've seen quite a bit. Come, over, come back over with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, we've been looking down through the issues of, of, we started by looking at the glory plan, really, uh, about 20 weeks ago. And uh, we looked at the issue of, of God, God's glory plan, the father of glory, and, and, and how we're going instrument, to instrumental part in that, the issue of our rapture, the issue there, 1 Thessalonians 4, all those details. Then the issue of the judgment seat of Christ and the issue of the presentation to the Father. And then the issue of the Father taking the church, the body of Christ, and implementing us into the heavenly places, the governmental structure of the heavenly places. And we've looked down through all of that. And then I decided, well, summer's coming. Let's just go look around heaven. Let's go take a walkabout. And in 2 Corinthians 5, in verse number 8, Paul says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about what's heaven in relationship to when, between death and the resurrection. What's happening? What will it be like? And we were talking last week afterward, well, what about the heavenly places after? Well, that'll have some similarities it just won't be exactly because we'll be doing some, we'll be functioning in a different manner. Next week, the 4th of July, I was going to talk about the Independence Day of the Heavens, but we're going to talk about some other things and then we'll get there. So we'll be about a week behind. I was a week off on my calculation a little bit here and trying to land where we are. But with everything that's going on around us today in the world today and the changing of everything, uh, it, it's very important to understand that between death and the resurrection, when you, as someone in Christ, someone who has trusted the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, place your faith and faith alone in that, in him, in his activity. Your activity didn't get the job done. His activity did it. You're trusting in that. And at that moment, if you were to die today, and you would enter into the presence of the Lord. That's what verse 8 is saying. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. What is that environment looking like? What's going on there? And that's why we've looked at the city. And we looked at, because the city, the, the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, that's where he's at. You're literally ushered into 
Colossians 3 there, he's sitting on the right hand of God, the throne of God. He's sitting there. We're literally into the throne room, and we're into our section of that city there, and we begin to see what it was like and try to get a feel of the countryside, of going out and seeing and, and, and walking around and, and seeing what the environment of life is like. And we, I hope you've enjoyed it. I don't know. <laughs> Some of your stone-looking faces of, oh, here we go again. You know, I don't know. I worry about you. But hopefully you've enjoyed it because what it shows you is that when God created earth and the universe, he created it as a place for him to inhabit and for him to dwell in. So then if he did that, then it's going to be the same, very similar, if you will, the same actually as his environment in the third heaven. Now, sin marred this over here. One day we'll be without the bondage, and we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. But what happens, come over with me to Revelation 21. What begins to happen when you talk about heaven is a question comes up. And the question that comes up is, what will we know? Will we know people? Will we know things? Will we understand what's going on here? And, and really the question is a good question. It's a question of someone has been paying attention and is curious and in Revelation 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. By the way, the bride of Christ, you hear that, okay? The, by the way, that term, the bride of Christ, is not in the scriptures at all. The closest thing you come to is the end of verse 9 here in the chapter where I show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. But who is that? It's, no, it's not us. It's Israel. It's the holy Jerusalem. It's the holy city. See there in verse number 2, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 9 the end of that verse, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Verse 10, and he carried me away into the spirit of a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So the bride is New Jerusalem. Who's in New Jerusalem here in the new heaven and the new earth? Israel, okay? And, and the, God, the Godhead. So don't ever let someone tell you that the church, the body of Christ, is the bride the church, the body of Christ, is the bride of Christ because we're not. We're what? We're his body. <laughs> we're completely different. Now, look at verse 3. Where was I? Verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, watch verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now look at that list. No more, what? No more death, no more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more anguish. All of that's going to be taken away. Then you come to the end of that verse. For the former things are passed away. So the question comes up, well, if the former things are passed away, what will we know? Well, when we're walking the streets of the city, and again, we're talking about between death and the resurrection here. 
We're in the city. We're not talking about in the heavenly places after the rapture. We're talking, we've been looking at heaven specifically with that in mind, by the way. Will I know so-and-so? Or do I have to be reintroduced to him? Will we know people? Will we see? Because look, the former things are passed away. So they use that to say, well, you might know, you might not know. We really can't tell. Well, that becomes a problem because there's a misunderstanding of the former things. What do the former things mean? Well, you'll notice the punctuation. There's a colon, so we're going to have a little thought break here. For the former things are passed away. All of the old, tainted, contaminated by sin will be what? Done away with. Okay? We're in a new heaven and a new earth. So that no more tears, no more anguish, no more pain, no more death, no more crying. None of all of that. All of that comes to us because we're, we're t- in time right now. We're bound by what? Sin and the corruption. In the new heaven and the new earth, there is no corruption. Okay? So let me say as we, begin to, as we start Matthew 17, we will know people. We will recognize them. And again, we're talking about between death and the resurrection. We will know people. We will, uh, we will recognize them. And we will do it immediately without being introduced to them. You know, you see, we, we're going to have a knowledge level that is not limited by space and time like we are right now. There was a movie. I just, what was that goofy name of that movie? Isn't that the beatness thing? And the guy took a little pill and his brain opened up and he was able to comprehend and do all this stuff. What's that? Matrix, all that, okay, stuff like that. And, and, and he takes this little pill and boom, he's running. And then he's running out of the pills. So now he's over here, you know, the drama of the movie. See, I'm into the, man, it just went right through my mind like a, like a bl- bl- flood. Well, you're going to have that without taking the little pill. You, we will have, in, in heaven, we will have the removal of all of the isolation barriers. We will have a knowledge level that is not limited by the bondage and the corruption of time and of our space right now. You see, you know, we have folks that come. They tell me their name. What happens to my brain? Gone. It takes two or three times to get to know someone's name. But you know what? I didn't know their name until I was what? Introduced to them. You won't have that, that barrier. There's going to be a knowledge of each other and what's going on that's going to far suppress, far sur- not suppress, sur- sur- boy, yeah, surpass. Help me out. That's okay. Okay that you can have without having to worry about, man, what was, what was your name again? Oh, man. Limitless. Limitless. Thank you for the movie. I, the closet spoke. Okay? Limitless. Okay? Hey, I, and by the way, I went looking for that pill. I like that movie. I was like, get that thing, open this brain up a little bit, so foggy. No, so what happened? The, the, 
the issue here is you're going to have you're going to have your your mind is going to have his is going to be his mind so your knowledge level is just going to go boom so you're going to walk by somebody and you're going to say hey Obadiah how you doing good to see you and you're going to keep going hey Jonah how was that whale's belly okay yeah stinky is right I don't know you know what he's going to say I don't know I was dead <laughs> I died <laughs> you know you're going to say hey hey how you doing there uh, Habakkuk, how you doing over there, Jose? Nice to see you, Joel. Nice to meet you, Jude. You're going to know these people. You're not going to go, wait a second, who are you? And he's going to go, I wrote a book in the Bible, dude. What do you mean you don't know who I am? <laughs> You're not going to do any of that. And how you know that is when you look in Scripture and you take a look at, at events that happen in Scripture and you kind of look over the shoulder. Now, Matthew 17 is the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay. Now, we're not going to look at the doctrine or any of that, but what I want you to do is look over the shoulder of Peter and, and James and John and watch what they do and watch what they say. So we're going to just run some verses this morning where we're looking into the scene because Scripture literally will peel back our exterior and look into other realms to where you can see. And you, get, and you know what you get the idea you know them. They know. They understand what's going on. They're there. And this stuff just clicks all day long. Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus take Peter, James, and John, the great trio of the little flock of the apostles, his brethren, bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto uh, them Moses and Elias t talking with him. So you've got this great scene. Who's there on the mountain? The Lord, Peter, James, and John, and now two more guys, Moses and Elijah. Okay? Verse 3, verse 4. Then answered Peter and said unto, the Lord, unto Jesus, Lord, who are these guys? No, he says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. I'm sorry, it, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make the three tabernacles, one for thee. And then, again, who are these guys? Would you reintroduce us to them? What does Peter say? One to Moses and one to Elias, Elijah. You see, Peter doesn't need to be introduced. He recognizes them. Now, Moses has been dead a few years, a little long, couple years longer than Elijah, see? But what happened? When the, when the Scripture peels back the window into his kingdom here, what does Peter know? He knows who he's looking at. No introduction, no Facebook, no Instagram, no Twitter, no parlor, no TikTok, none of that stuff. He knows them instantly. No LinkedIn, no word, no bio, no, hey guys, here's who, you know, <laughs> you go into meetings and all right, here's, when I worked at Bash's, when Eddie was alive, Eddie would visit the stores and he would visit unannounced, just flat walk in. And so we're working and I worked security uh, loss prevention. I caught shoplifters for about three or four years, and we, one of our classes was nothing but to memorize the faces of the CEOs. Because if we were on duty and we saw them walk in, we were to disappear because they knew who we were. 
Okay, we couldn't go up and say, hey, Eddie, because what would that do to my cover? <laughs> Blow it, all right? We were to, but we were to know who they were. And I was sitting in the catwalk one day watching, and Eddie walked in with Ike. Nobody knew who they were. Not good is right, because those guys like to be, hear their names called, you know. And the next day, there were pictures put up in the break room of who these guys were. <laughs> Peter, none of that. James and John, none of they instantly recognize it. Come on, come on over to first Corinthians or Second Corinthians twelve, a verse we've looked at before. You see, Peter, James, and John, they understood, they saw, they knew who he was. By the way, they the, they build the tat, they do all of that. Why? Because they're they have an understanding, a knowledge that's been set apart from. Second Corinthians twelve, we've looked at this passage here. Verse 1, uh, Paul writing, It is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Now watch, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, I, God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. Verse 3, And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Now that, how that he was caught up into paradise. And again, Paul talking there. Paul says, when I went into heaven up there, I couldn't tell if I left one environment for the other. But now watch verse 4 carefully. I was caught up into paradise and, what's that word? Heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now again, when Paul went to the third heaven, did Paul go to the third heaven? He says he did, so yeah. When he got there, the environment, he was so familiar with the environment, it was not a shock to his system, but he couldn't tell whether in the body or out of the body. Now, when he was left for dead in Acts 14, which is where this event happens, what was sitting down there in Derby and Lystra outside of town? His what? His body. He goes up into the third heaven, into paradise, and you know what he says? Whether I'm still in the body or not, I can't tell. You know what he did? He looked down at his hand. And you know what he saw? A stain. <laughs> he, he looked down at his hand. He, your soul has a bodily shape. We'll see it here in just a minute in Luke. He looked down and he said, you know what? Whether in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. I'm, I'm still here. But then what did he do? He heard some words, didn't he? He's able to listen. If that thing runs... Hey, Ricky, the robot's running. Do what? Will it kill it? Okay. I unplugged it, but it's still, it's dancing. That's okay. We got a new toy for the cleaning the floors. It's still, it's off the base, Ricky. Send it back home. Go home. E.T., go home. You can get it. Well, I don't want it to make noise. Anyway, he heard unspeakable words. He heard the conversation. He understood what was going on. He, he, he heard, he saw it, he grasped it. He's like, here it is. Come over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. While you're going there, we got a new robot to clean the building so we could do it a little more often and stuff with everything. And uh, we we're trying to get it 
charged. Apparently it's charged. Let's go. <laughs> okay. It's ready to clean. Good deal. That's what I like to hear. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. It's just Sunday morning. It's just us, folks. You know, I don't, you know, the, the people online just get to see what life happens. And that's okay. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Notice Paul here, verse number 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Paul's talking about the rapture time. Now watch. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Notice Paul saying the ye here is the Thessalonian believers specifically, but it then comes the body of Christ as a whole. You know what he says? You guys, I have a hope, I have a joy, I have a crown of rejoicing because I'm going to see you guys at his coming when he comes back. You see, by the way, see his crown of joy? His crown is who? The people. And he's going to recognize all of us. And you know what we'll do? We'll recognize him. And we'll say, hey, good to... Come on to Isaiah 14. Good to know you. Paul anticipates, he's expecting to know the church, the body of Christ, and to know all of us. Never to have to go up and say, hey, how you doing? I'm Rick. He goes, I know who you are. I'm glad to meet you, finally, face to face. Isaiah 14 not only on the good side, the heaven side, do you have a recognition of people, of knowing what's going on, but also on the hell side, on the not so good side. Isaiah 14, in verse number 9, you've got a, a, a prophetic picture here about the Antichrist and the end times and what's going to happen with him. And he says, Hell from beneath is moved for thee, to meet thee at thy coming. It stirred up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up um, from their thrones all the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Notice, again, just looking over the shoulder, notice what's going on in hell. Hell is moved to meeting. That is coming. You know what that is? That's the president is coming. So what happens when the president comes to town? The airport shuts down. The traffic shuts down. Everybody knows that somebody's here. You know what we have here in hell? A celebrity has arrived. The Antichrist. So you know what we're going to throw him? We're going to throw him a big old party out there. Hell moved. He's famous among the damned. They've come to, to say, hello, verse 10, and they shall speak and say unto thee. They're going to have a conversation with him. They recognize him. They remember what he says. By the way, just doctrinally, they're not happy, okay? They're very mad with him for what he duped them into doing. But what I'm, that's not what I'm after. I want you to see what hell is doing. Notice, if you will, that it hath raised up their nations all the kings, I'm sorry, raised up from their thrones, all the kings of the nations, they remember who they were in life. They remember their status in life. 
Now, how do they know that? How do they remember? Because they're no longer limited by this old fleshly bondage here. They've been released from it. They know what's going on. The veil of our flesh, of, of this hum, human flesh, has, is gone. Come back with me to Luke 16. You see, folks, when you get to heaven, you're going to know people. You're going to recognize them. You're going to say, hey, do you, do you have, think about your family history. Do you have a great, 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 great grandfather that, or grandparent or uncle or aunt that you never knew that was saved? Well, how would you know you never knew him? But guess what's going to happen? You're going to be tooling down the street and you're going to go, Grandpa Jim? And he's going to go, hey, how you doing? Good to meet you. In my case, it's an Uncle Jim. Wow. See? You're going to know, they'll know you and you'll know them. Luke 16. And you know what happens in hell? Same type of idea. Luke 16, you have, verse, starting in verse 19, you have the rich man and Lazarus. And again, you're, you're pulling back, the, the, the Lord is literally peeling the earth back as a look down into hell. Now in the Old Testament, hell had two compartments. Abraham's bosom, paradise, and then torment side. All right. Then when after the resurrection of the Lord and his ascension into heaven, somewhere between there and, and, and Paul, Abraham's bosom, paradise side, moved to the third heaven. Okay? But no, I just want you to notice the talking and the terminology and what's going on in the spiritual scene. Verse 19, And there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and linen, fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gates full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Isn't that a wonderful scene? The, the, the believer dies and who take this doesn't happen to you. Absent from the body is what? Present with the Lord. That's what happens to you and I. The angels don't come and escort you home. They did Lazarus. But now watch the rich man. What happened to him? He also died and was what? Buried. So what's in the ground up there on, on planet Earth? Terra firma. His body. Dirt. They threw dirt in his face finally. Okay? Now watch. And in hell, he lifted up his what? His eyes being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. He's in torment, so get, and, and, he, and he sees who? Abraham. How does he know who Abraham is? But he does. In, he's in torment. He's looking across the great gulf, spiritual realm. How does he, maybe he knows what Lazarus looks like, because he dealt with Lazarus at the door. But he see, he's looking. Verse 24, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, this is such a wonderful place, and woohoo! No, he, he's aware of his environment, isn't he? He says, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his what? Finger in water and cool. What does he know about the torment side? It's a little hot, isn't it? For I am tormented in this flame. Notice, see, hear, fingers, that bodily function, that bodily shape of 
your soul. But Abraham said, son, remember. Look at that. Remember. There's some memory there. Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise lathered evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. See, there's a memory there, isn't there? Abraham says, remember when you had it good and Lazarus didn't? Now watch the next verse. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest thou, they also come into this place. of." He's very aware of his environment and the fact that he doesn't want any of his family to come there. And you know what Abraham says then? Well, verse 31, And he said unto them, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Verse 29, I'm sorry. They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. What I want you to see is, look at what that rich man had. He remembers. He has the capacity to understand. There's eyes and tongues and fingers and hearing, and, and speech, and conversation, and a memory system that's going on. Come on over to 23 of Luke, Luke 23. You see, folks, when you get up to heaven, you're not going to go, who are you? You're going to do just the opposite. You're going to know everybody instantly. Your capacity of knowledge and recognition and all that, no longer bound by corruption. Awareness. Luke 23, 39, you have the two thieves on the cross. Verse 39, and one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. And the other answered, rebuking, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same con condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me where? Where is paradise? Abraham's bosom. When the Lord goes to Abraham's bosom, because that's where he goes, guess who showed up down there? The thief on the cross. And the thief on the cross is there. He goes, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. By the way, notice how the thief said, remember me when you come into your kingdom? And the Lord said, let's go to paradise. Because where was Israel's eternal life? In that kingdom. A little doctrinal thing there for you. A little ditty for you. The point is, come back to Matthew 8. These guys know. Remember me. And guess what? The Lord did. Go back to Matthew 8. When you get over, again, just some passages to peel back, just to look at what's happening. They remember things. The former things of old are passed away. That, that old contaminated and corrupted stuff is gone. Okay? But it doesn't mean that you don't know stuff and you don't pay attention and you don't have knowledge. 
Actually, it means just the opposite. You have the, your knowledge. Your, think about this human brain. I, I don't know. I don't remember what the things were of how much we use of it. Not enough. But you know, all, now you're using all of its capacity. Look at Matthew 8. Matthew 8, the, the Lord heals the leper. Then he reaches down in verse 5 and he heals the, the centurion servant. Verse 11, he says, And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now you see that? You're going to have all these people when the kingdom is on the earth and they're going to come into the kingdom and who are they going to sit down with? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the patriarchs, the fathers. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to instantly know who these gentlemen are. They're not going to have to guess. They're not going to have to have a little nameplate in front of them. This is Abraham. How you doing? <laughs> Sign my book, would you? <laughs> okay. Not going to do any. No, you're going to have him. You're going to know him. You're going to recognize him. And that's going to be it. Come back to Psalms 99. Psalms 99. You see, folks, there's going to be recognition and knowledge and understanding all the way across. Psalms 99. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Psalms 99. Psalms 99, the first six verses here. Verse 5, though, just for time. Well, shoot. Verse 1. The Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sitteth between the cherubs, let the earth be moved. We're in the kingdom. That's where we're at. The Lord is great in Zion, and he is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and thy and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loveth judgment. Thou do, dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, and Samuel among them that call upon his name. They call upon the Lord, and he answered them. Look who's with him also in the kingdom. Moses and Aaron and Samuel, okay? Now, they get resurrected into the kingdom down there after the 70th week is over. But notice the fact is, is that they're going to recognize these people. Again, they don't need a bio. They know who they are. You go to Job 19 there, and guess what Job says? I'm going to be there too. You, you ever, look at Job 19. I threw it on your paper just for... Give it a little more room on the paper. Job 19, verse number 25. Job says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. You know what's going to happen? Job's going to show up over there. And you know what they're going to do? Hey, Job, nice to see you. Good to meet you. Glad you're here. And you're going to recognize him. Now, between... Death and the resurrection, where is Job? He's in that city. You and I, if, we, if the Lord tarries and we depart from this world, absent from the body and present with the Lord, you know what we can go up and do? Hey, Job, I just want to hug your neck, man. What three miserable comforters you had. And he'll go, oh, you read my book. Cool. What did you think about this one? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know no, you're going to know these guys. Now come back with me to Romans. Romans chapter 8, on your way, get Revelation 21 again. Revelation 21, and get Romans 8. 
because the verse says, for the former things are passed away. Roman, Romans 8, just go there, Romans 8. All right, Rick, so if we're going to remember things and we're going to know people and we're going to recognize people and we're going to have the ability to hear and to think stuff through, how, how in the world is heaven going to be a great place when I'm going to remember the times that I did not give the gospel? Or the times when I look over in heaven and I see the empty chair where my family should be sitting. What, how am I going to be able to have a great time remembering all of this stuff when I failed so, misery, so mis miserably? How do I not have a guilty conscience? We're in heaven towards those that I have wronged, ignored, abused. How can heaven be heaven? How can that be? You just said we're going to remember. The verses say that you're going to know, right? Boy, what, what gut-wrenching questions. <laughs> well, what's not going to be there in heaven. The former things are what? Past. The former things. The things that are bound by corruption and the bondage of sin. You see, what's going to happen is the challenge to all of that thing about having a guilty conscience, that's how you think now. And the challenge to that and the answer to that is that the bondage is gone. You're not controlled and bound by thinking like you do today. When that lady asked me those questions, and I'm like, I didn't have an answer. I said, you know what, I'm going to have to get back to you. Look at Romans 8 for, with me. Talk about the bondage of corruption just for a minute here. Romans 8, 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which, he shall, which shall be revealed in us. We're in the dispensation of suffering, aren't we? It's going to hurt. But there's glory coming, isn't there? Verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Creation is waiting for the day when God's glory is manifested in the heavens with the body of Christ, here on the earth with the, with the nation of Israel. It's waiting for Revelation 21, 1-4 to be the case. They're waiting for that. They're under this corruption. Verse 20, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who have subjected the same in hope. Creation is waiting. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and travails and pain together until now. What's creation doing? Groaning and travailing. They're waiting. Sin has, has come in and has began to cause creation to groan. And because of the curse, because of the bondage of sin, creation groans and we begin to think about, why, why? where's my guilty conscience? <laughs> why is, I'm in heaven and heaven's wonderful, but man, look at all these people I miss back here. Why isn't my family with me? 
Why didn't I ever ask my family and friends if you were to die? Has anyone loved you enough to ask you if you were to die today where you would spend eternity? Why didn't I ask that question? You see, we do that now. Why? Because we groan and travail, don't we? We got a bondage on us. Verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves. We groan, don't we? But we're waiting, aren't we? Waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. Boy, what are we waiting for? Here we are. We've trusted Christ. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings. We're made complete in Him. We've got everything promised to us, given to us as a present possession, except for one item, and that's our glorified body. You see, folks, that bondage of corruption, it exists right now. It won't exist in heaven. And it doesn't exist in hell. Because your fleshly veil is gone. Bondage. Think about that. You're bound by the limits of time and space that's literally corrupted by sin. We talked a little bit about time last time. You see, God created time. God lives in time. But he lives outside of our corruption and the bondage. You think about corruption, corrupting. Something begins to fall apart. Something that's corrupted moves away from its original purpose, becomes contaminated, and begins to fall apart. There's a bondage of decay that sin brings. And you know what? We're bound to it right now in time. Now, as believers, we, what do we know? We're going to be what? Delivered. See? We understand that. We were going to be delivered from this bondage at death, when we were absent from the body present with the Lord, but more specifically, where? At the resurrection, at the rapture. But also, right now, as we live around us and we begin to think about it, and as long as we live here in our flesh, you know what we're contaminated with? That bondage of sin. But once we're free from that bondage, then you know what we actually begin to do? We actually begin to look at things. We begin to look at our lives in a very real way. And we begin to look at it the way Christ looks at it, as he hung at Calvary and paid for it. So you won't sit in heaven wondering with a guilty conscience because that's a bondage issue that's been gone and dealt with. Every one of us in this room has a spiritual history. Our spiritual history for most of us starts at Calvary. Okay? And when our spiritual history starts... At Calvary, we begin to understand that what cr the cross did was crucify that old man. Paid the penalty of sin once for all. And when we're in that realm, and when we're thinking like that, 
then when we come to the resurrection and we come to a new life, if you will, that is going to carry us out of here into the heavens and out into the future, we are literally free from that old man. And we don't have that guilty conscience of a what if. You're in Romans 8. If you look back in chapter 6, what's really wonderful about this and about who we are in Christ and about the standing that we have in Christ is that we have this identity in Christ. We have this identity in who we are in Christ right now in this new man. We know some things, don't we? We know that he died for that old life. But you know what else we know? We can think right now in time like we were in heaven already. I look around the room. I'm glad no no one in this room is in heaven yet (laughs) because that means you beat me. All right? But see, the thing is, is I look around the room and there are folks that used to be here that are in heaven. And they have a mindset now of Christ without the bondage And you know what? We can have the same mindset now and not really have to wait for heaven. We can have it now. How so? Romans 6, verse 13. We will not have a guilty thinking process at all in the future because the contamination and the bondage is gone. But you know what? We can can have that confidence in Christ, that we'll have out there in the heavens, we can have it now. And honestly, Romans 6.13, Paul says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God, now watch, as those that are alive from the dead. We are to, we're to live right now in time with that thinking of heaven. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You and I, we are designed to right now in time live as though I am already, come over back over to chapter 8, resurrected from the dead. So you know what's going to make heaven heaven? No more bondage of corruption. You and I are to look out there, and the bondage that holds me now is going to be gone. Look at Romans 8. Drop down to verse number 30. And I want you to just notice the past tense of this verse. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. See that ED, past? It's already been done. And whom he called, them he also justified. Already done. And then whom he justified, them he also what? It's already been done for you. You're already glory. So go live as who you are, glorified. 
Go live that way. Have that thinking. You're going to, folks in heaven, you'll know people, you'll recognize, you'll understand. You're going to think like Christ thinks. You and I have the mind of Christ right now, but you know what? His grace will fill your mind and you'll have that open, and you know what you can do? You can have it right now. You can right now have his grace fill your mind. You can have his thinking be your thinking. And you know what you can do? You can have that mental attitude right now. And how you have that mental attitude is when you walk by faith and an intelligent understanding of God's grace to me in Christ. I haven't said that in a long time. You can live now as though you're already in heaven. So how can heaven, how can this be? And you won't even think that thought. It'll be gone. When you get to heaven, folks, you'll know because you won't have the veil of flesh and bondage on you any longer. And you'll look around and you'll, you'll say, you'll say, you know what? Christ died for this right here. And that's what happened. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. You'll know things. Your knowledge will be opened up. It'll be limitless. <laughs> right now, though, we're going to groan and travail a little bit. And the thing about it is, is to make sure you're going to heaven. That's the thing. I think about that often, about that little phrase I said a minute ago, has anyone loved you enough to ask you? Loved you. Everybody wants to be loved. Where would you spend eternity if you were to die today? And if you could know, would you like to know, based on the authority of God's word? That's what you need to know. Not about joining church, walking an aisle, doing this or that, religious activities. It's just about simply trusting Christ and his work at Calvary for you, personally, individually, for you as a sinner, because that's who you are. You're not having to do anything. By the way, if you had to do something, if, God's, if God said jump on your right foot, first of all, some of you jump on your left because you don't know your right from the left. And the other part, you wouldn't do it long enough, and then you wouldn't know if you did it right. And you know what he says? I did it for you, and I did it right every time. All you have to do is trust me. That's it the privacy of your heart, trust me. As soon as you do that, he says, welcome to the family, and I've blessed you with some blessings that far outweigh anything you ever thought, far outweigh anything religion would ever offer you, and I've made you complete because you trusted me and me alone. Then, absent from the body, present with the Lord then heaven becomes heaven and you're there dear Heavenly Father we thank you for the morning Lord we thank you for your word we thank you for the look around heaven for the ability to take scripture and to look into and to see how things are and to know and Lord I just pray that we would look at our time now here and think about living it as though we're already in heaven with your mindset, with your, with your thought processes, with what your word means to us and to you. And we do that for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.
our 